My name is Rick Renner, and today I am in Ephesus at the Temple of Serapis, a monumental temple here in ancient Ephesus. The fact that this temple is here, and it is so enormous, is a witness to how many Egyptians lived in the city of Ephesus. There was a very large enclave of Egyptians who lived here, and they were so wealthy, they constructed this huge temple to Serapis, which was an Egyptian religion. In fact, there were so many Egyptians in the city of Ephesus that when Azanoia, who was the sister of Cleopatra, felt her life was under threat from Cleopatra, she fled from Egypt and came to Ephesus as a refugee. And she was later assassinated here by Cleopatra. But she came here because there were so many Egyptians in the city of Ephesus. And here we have a witness to that, the temple of Serapis. This was really a dark, sinister religion. Oh, what took place here was simply foul. It was filled with all kinds of immoralities and sexual debaucheries so perverse, I cannot even begin to describe them. But in fact, the whole city was pagan. Perverse activities were happening all over the city of Ephesus because that's what happened in the pagan world. And it was a great temptation for believers because believers had just been delivered from that. They had just called Jesus the Lord of their life. They had been delivered from a very bad lifestyle. They had come into Christ. They were learning how to live. But as they lived their life in Ephesus, they had to walk past these temples. They heard the music that was so familiar to them. These were places where they once frequented and felt so comfortable. And there was a temptation to go back into these places from which they had been delivered. And Paul said to Timothy, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6, Timothy, you need to put the believers on a really good doctrinal and spiritual foundation. They've been delivered from a life of sin, a life of darkness. Now you need to really establish them. And in fact, he said in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 6, if you do this, this will make you a good minister of Jesus Christ. Helping people get free and stay free makes us a good minister of Jesus Christ. And this doesn't just apply to people that are full-time in the ministry. It applies to every believer. You have a responsibility to help people get free and to stay free and to put them on a foundation that will support them for the rest of their life. And that is what I want to talk to you about today. Stay tuned for a teaching you can trust, a message that will inspire, strengthen, and equip you with vital insights and understanding from the Word of God. Here is Rick. My name is Rick Renner, and I want to say thank you for letting me come right into your space. Whether you've turned on your TV or some other device, what an honor that you would let me come to you today, and I don't want to waste your time. Today I want to give you something valuable that's going to make a difference in your life, and today we're going to be returning to 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1, where we're talking about events that are going to occur at the very end of the age. But first, I want to remind you that I'm offering you my book, which is called How to Keep Your Head on Straight in a World Gone Crazy. This is one book I really want you to order. This book will make a difference for you. The back of the book says, we're living in a day when multitudes have lost their way morally and spiritually. Do you know anyone that's lost their way morally? or spiritually, they've gone off track. Wow. Like a ship without an anchor, 
a last day's generation is being tossed to and fro by a flood of deception. What should we do to make sure we don't get sucked into the chaotic swirl of moral and spiritual confusion sweeping the world today? These are the answers you will find in this riveting and timely book. Maybe order a copy for yourself and another one for someone else. This is definitely a book you're going to want to give or to recommend to others. But today we're going to return to 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, our anchor verse for this series, which we have covered nearly in every program. And the reason that I've covered it over and over and over is because when you read this in the Greek text, the Holy Spirit is really speaking strongly. He is emphasizing something very strongly in this verse. In fact, I say it's nearly like the Spirit is reaching out through the pages of the New Testament to grab us by the shirt and to shake us to make sure we really hear what he is saying. So when we come to 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1, the Apostle Paul writes, and I'm reading in the King James Version, it says, now the Spirit speaks expressly. We've already seen this speaks expressly is a Greek word, retus. Speaks expressly, really is a pretty good translation. However, the word retus describes something emphatic, something that is categorical, it will definitely come to pass. This is not something optional. The Holy Spirit is forecasting something that is really going to happen, and that's why he uses the word retus, something that is emphatic, categorical, something that most assuredly will come to pass, and that's why the King James translators translated it, the Spirit speaks expressly in undeniable, unmistakable terms. Well, if the Holy Spirit is speaking that clearly, then we need to really pay attention to what he's saying. And what is he saying? He says, In the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. He says it's going to happen in the latter times. Now we've already seen that in the first century when Paul was writing this, they were already dealing with an assault on the faith. There was already a modification of truth that was taking place. But now the Holy Spirit is speaking comparatively. He's speaking to Timothy, Timothy who's already dealing with issues of error, and it's almost like the Holy Spirit says, Timothy, 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 if you think that you're dealing with problems today, wait until you see what's going to happen at the very, very end of the age when they've reached the outer rim of the last days and they can go no further. When they've come into the latter times, wow, it's amazing what's going to happen. Some will depart from the faith. The Holy Spirit in this verse though he is the one prophesying, is amazed at what he is saying. He's saying hard to believe, but it's really going to happen. Some shall depart, the Greek word aphistomy. They're going to begin to put space between them and truth, giving heed to, giving heed in Greek is prosecho, pros, leaning towards something to embrace it. They're releasing the time-tested teaching of Scripture and leaning toward new concepts, leaning toward new science, leaning toward new cultural norms to embrace them. And Paul says, make no mistake, you need to understand this is the activity of seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Seducing the Greek word planeo, which means to lead someone off course to morally wander. These will be teachings that will cause people to morally lose their bearings. And that's what we're seeing in our day. People are losing their bearings morally, and not just morally, but also spiritually. And it's the activity of seducing spirits and doctrines 
of demons. Now, you know, if the devil showed up with horns on his head and a pitchfork and red skin, you would recognize him. But instead, he's coming with doctrines of demons. There were doctrines that Greek were didascalia, new systems of thought, new ideas, new philosophical options, new cultural norms, and people begin to buy into them, being modified themselves very slowly over a period of time. Let me ask you, do you believe what you used to believe? Do you believe morally what you believed 10 years ago or 20 years ago? Or do you find that even you have been modified to a certain extent? You see, modification doesn't take place like this. It happens very slowly, very gradually, over a period of time. And the Holy Spirit prophesies in the end of the age, even some in the church will slowly begin to modify themselves. They will begin to put distance between themselves and what they used to believe in order to give heed, plus echo, to embrace something new. Well, rather than give in to the madness, we need to stand on the foundation of God's Word. And that's what we find in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 6. We covered this in the last program, but let's go there again. And in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6, Paul says to Timothy, and to anyone that has influence in somebody else's life. This is not just for pastors or Bible teachers or people on the radio or people on television or people that write books. It's for anyone with influence. If you have children, this verse is for you. If you're a grandparent, this verse is for you. If you are a husband, then you have influence in your family, this is for you. If you're an employer, you have influence in the life of your employees. It's for anyone that has influence in somebody else's life. And all of us have influence in somebody's life. So what does the scripture tell us to do? What are we supposed to do in the end of the age when people are veering off track? And the Bible tells us. Listen to what it says. If you put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. We saw in the last program, this King James translation says, if you put the brethren in remembrance of these things. That is not what the Greek says. The Greek uses the word hupo tithemi. The word hupo is a preposition which means to be under something, to be under something, hupo, under. The word tithemi is a word which means to lay, to place, or to position something like a foundation. And when you compound the two words together, it means to lay a foundation underneath something, hupo tithemi, to put a foundation underneath something. So you could actually translate the verse, if you're in the business of putting a foundation underneath the brethren, if you're putting a foundation underneath other people's lives, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ. And in Greek, when it says, thou shalt be, it means this qualifies you to be. So if you want to qualify as a good minister of Jesus Christ, if you want to qualify to be that kind of leader, that kind of believer that Jesus says, bravo, you're doing a good job, then you have to do what qualifies you to be a good minister of Jesus Christ. And this verse says, a good minister of Jesus Christ, a really responsible believer, is one who is hupotithemi. Hupo, he's coming under other people's lives. And tithemi, he's putting a foundation underneath them. Now, in the real building world, in the world of construction, how do you build a building? Well, first you lay the foundation. And once the foundation is complete, 
then you build your structure on top of it. That's the normal way for building, but that is not how we build people's lives. It doesn't work like that. You share the gospel, you have an evangelistic crusade, people get saved, they come to Christ, suddenly all these people are in the church, they already have lives, but they don't have a foundation. They already have a structure, they already have something they've built, but they don't have the Word of God under them. And my job and your job is hupo, is to come under people, to come under people. That's why we have to see ourselves as servants. We're not to lord ourselves over people. Our job is hoopa. We're to come under people. Antithemy, our assignment is to lay, place, or position a foundation underneath their life. And furthermore, the Greek tense that is used here is continuous. This is not something you do once or twice. For the rest of your life, for the rest of my life, our number one assignment is to be helping other people. I say to Denise all the time, and I say to my sons and to those that are in leadership with me in the ministry, this is not about us. This TV program is not about us. The books we write, it's not about us. None of this is about us. It's about others. Everything is about others. The focus is not us. The focus is others. Our job is hupo to come under other people's lives. Antithemy, to lay, place, and position a foundation under them that will hold them up for years to come. That is our job. And if you're a mother or a father, if you're a grandparent, employer, or if you're just a good friend, you need to understand that God is expecting you, Hupo, to come underneath other people. Antithemy, put a good foundation of the Bible underneath them. They need a foundation for these times. If they are standing on the Word of God, it will protect them from wrong thinking, delusion, that is pervading the world today. The Bible will give them common sense and it will give them discernment. They need that. You can do this for them. Come unto them, talk to them, pray with them, speak reason to them, open the Bible, teach them the Bible. Hoop will come under them to them, lay a foundation underneath them. And Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6, this will cause you to be, this will make you to be, thou shalt be, a good minister of Jesus Christ. That word good is the Greek word kalos. In Greek, the word kalos means something that is virtuous, something that is superb, something that is magnificent. And it was used several ways in the ancient world. For example, if a person was a connoisseur of art, now just let me give you this example. He could walk through a gallery and he could see many pieces of art. Wow, here's a beautiful piece, and there's a beautiful piece of art, and here's a magnificent painting, and here's a beautiful fresco, and here's a beautiful statue. Wow, the whole gallery filled with such magnificent pieces of art. But then he comes to the end of the gallery, and his eyes fall on one piece of art that is so magnificent that it seizes him. It captures his attention. This is not just good, this is kalos. That's the word used in this verse. It is superior, it is magnificent, it is so magnificent, it overshadows everything else he has seen in the gallery that day. Everything else he has seen is beautiful, it's all noteworthy, all worthy of being in a gallery. But this one piece is so magnificent, he forgets everything else. That's the word that is used here. 
and it tells me Jesus is a minister connoisseur. He's a minister connoisseur. He walks through the church. We know that. The Bible tells us that in Revelation chapter 1 and chapter 2. He walks in the midst of the church. And when Jesus walks through the church, he's a minister connoisseur. He sees a person here serving, and oh, he's so impressed by that. Jesus sees someone else serving, and oh, he looks at it with admiration. It's so virtuous. It's so wonderful. But then Jesus comes across one particular minister who is hupotithomy, a minister, a believer, who hupo is crawling under someone else's life who needs a foundation. Antithony, they're laying, they're placing, they're positioning a foundation under someone who needs a foundation. And when Jesus sees that minister is hoople under the brethren, antithony, putting the foundation under other people's lives, Jesus says, wow, now that is spectacular. Everything I've seen is good, but this is just outstanding. This is magnificent. This is superb. This is a good kalos minister of Jesus Christ. That's the word that is used in this verse. So if you really want to get Jesus' attention and hold his attention, do what gets his attention. Be involved in putting a foundation under other people's lives. Now, the verse says, thou shalt be a good minister. What does that word minister mean? Well, the word minister is the Greek word diakonos. It can be translated minister. It can be translated as the word servant. In the New Testament, there are three words used to describe all believers. I'm going to give all three of them to you very quickly. First is the word dolas, dolas. The word dolas is used all over the New Testament to describe all of us that are the servants of Jesus Christ. One of my favorite instances is James chapter 1, verse 1, where he describes himself as the servant of God. That's this word, the word dolas. But it would describe me, it would describe you, this word dolos, translated servant or slave, is one who sold out lock, stock, and barrel to do the will of his master. He no longer lives for himself, but he lives to serve whatever his master wants him to do, completely sold out to the lordship of Jesus, no longer belonging to himself, but completely belonging to another, engulfed in the will of another. That word servant, the Greek word dolos, describes me, it describes you, it describes every believer. That's who we are. We are the sold-out servants of Jesus Christ. But there's a second word translated minister in the New Testament, and we find it in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 2. The Corinthians were involved in what I would call preacher worship. They really had adulation of preachers to a ridiculous extent. And Paul writes to them and corrects them. He says, hey, 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 hey. If you need to know what to think of preachers, if you need to know what to think of ministers, think of us like this. And he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2, think of us as the ministers of Christ. That word ministers is a very unique word, the Greek word, huperetas. The word huperetas, 1 Corinthians 4, verse 2, described condemned criminals who were assigned to live the balance of their lives in the lowest galleys of ships. They were there for the rest of their lives. They were placed on a bench with other criminals, and they were chained to the bench so they could never escape. And a big oar was placed into their hands, 
And for the rest of their existence, their motto was row, row, row the boat. That was their job. They became the engines of the ship. They rowed the boat. They rowed the boat. They became the engines of the ship. If they stopped rowing, the ship stopped moving. But as long as they rowed, the ship kept moving. And Paul uses that word to describe anyone who serves. Really, it describes anyone who serves. We're called to be the under rowers. We're called to be committed to where God called us to be, to be chained to our call. There's no escape from where God has called us. And our job is to do our part to move the ship, to move the church, to move the ministry, to move the gospel. We're the engines of the ship. We have to accept that and move into that responsibility. But then there's a third word used to describe ministers in the New Testament, and that is the word we now find in this verse, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6. If you put the brethren in remembrance of these things, or if you come unto the brethren and put a foundation underneath them, this will make you to be a magnificent, superior, superb minister of Jesus Christ. This word minister, the Greek word diakonos. The word diakonos is a compound. The word dia, on behalf of. The word konos means community. It's one who's given on behalf of the community. He doesn't belong to himself. He belongs to the community. However, it was used in very wealthy homes in the first century, diakonos, to describe high-level servers of food, waiters and waitresses. But because they were in very exquisite homes, they were trained how to handle themselves, how to walk, how to speak with the people they were serving. And their job was to make sure everyone they were serving felt like they were nobility, to serve really good food, safe food. The consumer would not have to question what he was eating. The consumer was assured the food was safe because of the diakonos. The person serving him was so serious about how he served and what he served those who were eating. That's the word that is used in this verse. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 6, which means God expects us to be those who serve food. And we are to serve it beautifully, and we are to serve it very professionally, and we're to be absolutely certain what we're serving is safe to consume. Do you get that? We need to make sure we're providing teaching people can trust. They don't need to wonder, I wonder if I'm going to get sick if I eat this, they need to be so confident in the servers. They know these servers have tested the food. They've well prepared the food. They're professionally serving the food. I can trust what I'm about to eat because the diakonos, the server, is so committed to excellence. That's what God calls you and me to be. We need to be excellent in what we teach others, excellent in the scriptural foundation we provide for others, giving them something that will make them strong, make them healthy, something they can build their lives on. And if this is what you do, then according to Paul, in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1, you qualify as a good minister of Jesus Christ. We're out of time, but I'll be back, and I'm going to pray for you. The world is changing. In fact, it's more than changed. It's gone crazy. We are living in a world where faith is questioned and sin is welcome, where people seem to have lost their minds about what is right and wrong. It seems truth has been turned upside down. In Rick Renner's new book, How to Keep Your Head on Straight in a World Gone Crazy, 
Rick reveals the disastrous consequences of a society in spiritual and moral collapse. In this book, you'll discover what Christians need to be doing to stay out of the chaos and anchor to truth. You'll learn how to stay sensitive to the Holy Spirit, discern right and wrong teaching, how to be grounded in prayer, and how to be spiritually prepared for living in victory in these last days. Leading ministers from around the world are calling this book essential for every believer. And right now, it's available for just $20. You can also order the 15-part teaching series when you call or go online right now. Rick takes you deep into New Testament prophecies about the end of the age and what you need to do to sail successfully through turbulent end-time waters. Available in digital or physical formats starting at just $24. Get the book, How to Keep Your Head On Straight in a World Gone Crazy, for just $20. And don't miss this powerful teaching series. Call the number on your screen now or go to renner.org to order. Call or go online now. My friend, our ministry is really growing. We're reaching people all over the world that are tuning in because they feel like they have found teaching they can trust. And what an honor that God would ask us to bring teaching of the Bible into people's homes. I'm really praying for a revival of the Bible in the hearts of God's people. And God's people are responding. They're calling, they're writing. And because we want to reach them and minister to them in the very best way, we need to expand. We are bursting at the seams. Our office building in Tulsa has become totally insufficient. We're having to put all of our resources and materials in containers because we have no more room in our building. And we just found a building that would perfectly meet our needs and it's fully furnished. And at the same time, we're building a new TV studio in Moscow because this studio is just inadequate for what we need to do. If you can imagine, we're filming five to seven daily programs in this studio. We have run out of space. It's time for us to expand. You can really make a difference in someone else's life by participating in this expansion project. And if it's in your heart to say, yes, I want to be a part of that, you can find out more by going online or give us a call right now. I wanna say thank you for letting me come into your home today. I told you right from the outset of the program, I didn't wanna waste your time. And I pray that today you've gotten something brand new from the Word of God that's made a difference in your life. Oh, Jesus wants us to be good ministers. And if we're involved in putting a foundation under other people's lives, it qualifies us to be a good minister of Jesus Christ. And I want to say thank you to you for being my partner and being my friend. Thank you for praying for us and with your finances, helping us put a foundation under other people's lives. Together, we're making a difference in the lives of people all over the world who listen to these programs. And Denise and I and our entire team, we're so grateful to you. And if you need prayer, remember that we're here for you. We are always here for you. That's something we love to do for you. Let us know how to pray, and immediately we'll go to our knees, and we'll begin to pray for you. I want to remind you that I'm offering you my book called How to Keep Your Head on Straight in a World Gone Crazy, Developing Discernment for These Last Days. This book will really make a difference in your life. I believe it. And I want to encourage you not just to order one, order several. Get one book that you can send to somebody else. Let it be your missionary. Let it speak for you. 
Maybe you're concerned about someone who morally is beginning to veer or someone spiritually that's getting off track. You don't know how to address them or how to speak to them. Get this book. Let it speak for you. And with this book, you can begin to put a foundation under someone else who needs to be put back on a foundation. But let me pray for you. Father, we thank you for today. What a privilege that we can open the Bible and go deep. Lord, we thank you for a food that we can trust, teaching that builds us. Lord, there's nothing like your word. We're just so grateful for it. Help us to be established in truth and help us to do our part to serve good spiritual food to those that are in need and put them on a good foundation in Jesus' name. Amen. Remember Ecclesiastes 8.4. It says, where the word of a king is, there's power. Let God's word release its power in your life today. And I'll see you in the next program.